0: everyone I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nations Church and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray be blessed by the word of the Lord. On this promotion Sunday, I want to talk to everyone in the room about your kingdom assignment. In fact, that's what I want to preach this morning discovering your kingdom assignment. Look at someone and say, "Neighbor, you have to know your assignment in the kingdom." And how many know God wants us to know our assignment in the kingdom? So Romans chapter twelve, verse number one. And it is my prayer today at the be- at the end of this service, we're going to have a prayer for all of our sons and daughters and our students that are going to be. Getting ready to go back to school, and we're celebrating and we're honoring the promotion of our sons and daughters today. So, I want to offer a prayer for all of our sons and daughters before we leave this place today. I want you to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and the Bible reads this way very familiar passages of scripture. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly, Look at this phrase. As God has dealt to each one of you a measure. Everyone say a measure. A measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then, verse 6, gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them look at someone and say use what you got come on how many know you can't lose with the stuff we use use what you've got if prophecy then prophesy in proportion to your faith if ministry let us use it in ministering if And for he who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with generosity or liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I want to talk today about discovering your kingdom assignment. And as a pastor, I have to revisit this periodically and frequently Because I recognize a number of things. Number one, those of you who've been here for a long time need to be reminded of these truths. And those of you who've come recently, my prayer is that the spirit of revelation would rest on us today so that those who are trying to serve God but don't know what it is he's called us to would begin to discover the pattern and the process by which God reveals his kingdom assignment to each of us. How many don't want to waste another day? Come on, how many don't want to waste another day? And so today, Father, we thank you for speaking to us and through us. Move by your spirit in this house. Awaken us. Open our eyes, our hearts, our ears. Let us have a spirit of understanding as you talk to us today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. You can be seated in God's presence. So to briefly kind of rehearse uh, and reinforce what we've been talking about, we have been talking about the kingdom of God for a couple of weeks now. I talked about the covenantal kingdom that we are a part of. The Bible says in the Gospel of St. Luke, I believe the 23rd chapter, Jesus told his disciples, because you have endured with me through trials, I bestow upon you the kingdom in the same fashion that the Father bestowed upon me. We talked not only about that covenantal blessing of receiving the kingdom. Last week, oh, we had a good time in the house last week, amen? we talked about how God, through the blood of Jesus, qualifies us for the kingdom. How many are still qualified today for the kingdom of God? That's what the Bible says in the book of Colossians chapter 1, that he qualified you, forgiving you of your sins and washing you in the blood of Jesus. And it is vitally important that you and I understand that not only has the Lord bestowed a kingdom upon us, and then not only has he qualified us through the shedding of his son's blood, so that we could be qualified for the kingdom. But it's incredibly important that when you enter the kingdom of God, you recognize that your entering into the kingdom of God comes with an attached assignment that God's, entire plan for your life is not simply to save you and then watch you sit in a church your whole life and sort of work a nine-to-five job, five days a week, raise a family, and, 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 and live without purpose. I believe every breath that he has blessed you to breathe has purpose. I believe every day he has graced you to live is a day that should be uh, of understood as a day of purpose. We should seize the purpose for which God has given us time and for which God has given us breath. Why are we still alive? If it's, if it's, if it's just about getting to heaven, why didn't he just save us and take us home? The reality of it is he saved you and with the balance of the time that you have left on this planet, it is absolutely mandatory and necessary and vital for you to see that the days you have left as days of purpose. And I don't want us to continue or, or even begin for some of us. I don't want us to entertain thoughts of, of just meandering and wandering aimlessly through life because the most important day of your life is the day you gave your heart to Jesus. The second most important day of your life is the, is the day you find out the reason why he saved you. Each of you have a purpose. All of us have a kingdom assignment. And if you don't understand how to enter into that assignment, you can actually spend days of your life saved and on your way to heaven, but not fulfilling the kingdom assignment that God has on your life. And I don't know about you, I have lived my life in seasons of fulfilling that assignment. There's also been days where I was out of assignment. And how many can testify that there is a greater measure of joy when you know you're walking in the sweet and you're living in your kingdom assignment doing what God put you on the earth to do. And it is my prayer that if you're involved in Christian calisthenics or religious treadmills and you look busy but you don't fulfilled, feel fulfilled on the inside, it is my prayer that this message today will somehow resonate in your spirit and cause you and I to take an inventory and say, what did God put me on this planet and assign me to do? And may we, may we spend our time, the balance of our days doing what God calls us to do even if it means it's not what people thought we would do so how do we get to this place of knowing our kingdom assignment in order for us to begin this process of understanding our assignment it actually begins with alignment everyone say alignment many people don't know what they're supposed to do in this earth and on this planet and now that they're a citizen of the kingdom it's like it's like the person who was a great drug addict or a great alcoholic or a great whatever in their sinful life and then they get saved and they don't know what to do now that they're living right anybody remember what it was like to come out of darkness into light and you had to get new friends and you had to get new behaviors come on you had to get new patterns in your life why because God broke some cycles God broke some patterns. God broke some curses off of your life. And how many are thankful that he set you on a new course? And sometimes that new course requires a, a, a new way of living, a new way of thinking. It, it requires new behaviors and new traits and, and, and new cycles. So, so today some of us are in a place where we're going to have to see that God is wanting to show us something. But maybe sometimes we're not in proper alignment to be able to see. And Paul talks about how to get in alignment so that you can understand your assignment. And he does it with using three words here in these first two verses of the 12th chapter of Romans. And I briefly want to go through these words. These three words are simply present, transform, and prove. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is how you will come into an alignment with God so that he can reveal your assignment to you. The first thing he says is to present your body as a living sacrifice. Present. Everyone say present. present. And the word present in the Greek is paristami, and it means to yield or surrender or to stand beside and in harmony with. He said, I want you to be a, present, surrender. Yield your life to God as a living sacrifice. This is interesting because we often want to know what our kingdom assignment is. And we often say things like this. What kind of service does God want me to be engaged in? And we often think that knowing our kingdom assignment begins with service. But kingdom assignments are not first revealed by what you are to do. Kingdom assignments are first revealed to those who will yield self. Self comes before service. He doesn't start off by saying, I want you to touch the world. I want you to raise a great family. I want you to have a great business. I want you to have a great ministry. He says nothing about service. The first thing he says is, I want yourself. I want you to present your body as a living sacrifice. I don't want your, your, your to-do list. I don't want your, your gifts. I gave them to you. I'm not impressed with them. I don't want all of your activity. The first thing I want out of you is for you to give your life as a living sacrifice. And so many people want God to show them what job to take, what thing to do, what city to live in, what person to marry. They want to know details about the service of their life. But I want to tell you today that God is not interested in revealing to you details about your service without you giving him your whole self. The first thing out of the gate Present, yield, surrender your life. This is where it gets unbelievable. As a living sacrifice. Everybody say that, a living sacrifice. Okay, so I'm not very good at English, but I remember enough about English to make me dangerous. And I remember that an oxymoron is the use of two words used together that when used together don't make sense. And living sacrifice is an oxymoron. How can you have a living dead thing? A sacrifice is something that you throw on the altar and it is dead, it has been killed, it has been given to something. How does Paul expect us to be a living sacrifice? Am I going to be alive or am I going to be a sacrifice? Am I going to be living or am I going to be a dead thing? Because I'm trying to figure out how I can achieve the both. How can I be both living and a sacrifice? And Paul answers the question in the book of Galatians, the second chapter, the 20th verse. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ who lives inside of me. I want you to understand today that the way to become a living sacrifice is to come to God dead to your flesh, dead to yourself, dead to your agenda, dead to your own ideas of your future. Come completely dead to self, and that's when you begin to live the kind of life that hell doesn't know how to stop and what to do with. I thought about it this morning, Be, being a living sacrifice means coming to God with a blank sheet of paper, and you put the, the pen in his hand, and the only thing you do is sign your name to the contract, and you have you have no say over what he instructs you to do. You simply come, come as a clean slate before the Lord and you say whatever it is as your disciple that is what my yes is to I did not come to you with a contract Jesus I came to you in a covenant this life is not our own I wish somebody would hear me in a world and in a day when it is all about self and self-promotion and self-aggrandizement and me and myself and I this scripture stands as a very, as a very uh, a word against that kind of thinking and God reminds us in order to find our kingdom assignment, the first step is we are dead to ourselves, and then we come alive because we have said yes to God. I will tell you that the most miserable person in this room today is a Christian living out their own agenda. It's a Christian who hasn't understood the power of saying no to self and yes to Christ. <clears throat> I wanna tell you that every time in my life, God has blessed Devin and I or done something significant in our life, it always came after a moment where something in me or her had to die. I wouldn't even be standing here today as your pastor. I wouldn't even be in the city of Chattanooga had I followed my own in- inclination and my own intuition. At 22 years old, having had the opportunity to go to Florida, live 20 minutes from the beach and live in a house that would have been paid for, given to us, and no college education and making a nice salary 20 minutes from the beach. Come on, how many know that's a no-brainer? I didn't even have to pray about it. I'm like, whoa, glory, jubilee, Jesus, we give you glory. But when my knee hit the ground and prayed over that opportunity, I heard the Spirit of God say to me, no. And I rebuked devils, and I bound the thing going on, and I'm like, devil, get behind me. God's trying to bless me. You savor us not the things that be of God. But the reality of it was it was God's Spirit saying no to something my flesh wanted. And I I had the opportunity of a lifetime, except it wasn't the opportunity of a lifetime. And what I didn't know is that two weeks later, the opportunity that I was going to be given and that I would eventually say no to because I yielded my life to God through a lot of tears. I said, Lord, you have your way. I don't understand this. This is an amazing opportunity for Devin and I. We love Florida. We love sand. Come on, who doesn't love the beach? But God said no. And I said, why? And I want to tell you something about God. He didn't ever tell me why. And he may not tell you why either. But a disciple doesn't follow him when they get all the information. A disciple follows him by faith and trusts him by faith because you trust that he's better to you than you could ever imagine. And I want to tell you that two weeks later, the church that I was going to go to, to be on staff at, it was found out that the pastor was embezzling money. Had I gone and been his pupil and disciple, I would have went down with that whole thing and it would have been the worst way to launch a ministry you could have ever imagined. What's the point? My point is this. When you have, when you come to God, you do not hold God out a contract and say, these are my stipulations for following you. You hold out a blank sheet of paper with your name signed in covenant at the bottom, and you say, this is for you to fill out. This life is not my own. I'm not here because of how smart I am or how genius I am or how connected I am. I'm here because of grace, by grace, through grace, because of mercy. I wasn't even supposed to make it this long, and whatever you want me to do, that is what living sacrifice is all about. So the first thing he says is present. Peristemi, yield, surrender, stand in agreement with. Self, he wants yourself before you get to know your assignment. And then he says... I want you to not only present your life, but I want you to be transformed. Y'all know this, I've taught this before, this is the Greek word, metamorpho, and it's where we get the English word metamorphosis from. And this word metamorpho is is this whole idea of a caterpillar wrapping itself in in a cocoon and becoming a butterfly. And it goes through a process we call metamorphosis. And Paul says, when it comes to understanding your kingdom assignment, you're going to have to metamorphosis. You cannot, hear me clearly, you cannot be conformed to this world and know your kingdom assignment. Why? Because the way this world trains you to live is a selfish self-promoting, self-preserving kind of way. In fact, Jesus would tell his disciples in the Gospel of St. Matthew, he said the Gentiles use their authority to lord over people. And he says some amazing words. He looks at his disciples and he's telling them about the Roman Empire and how these Roman soldiers use their authority to lord over people. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, but it will not be so with you. Amen. We don't get to have the mentality of the world in how we treat people. If you're in a job situation and you're up for a promotion and the only way for you to get it is to step on people beside you or to treat people beneath you or to act as if you are greater, better, or more superior than them, you are living according to the ways of this world. If your entire life is about pushing others down so that you somehow float up, you have adopted the way I'm, it's it's so quiet in this Baptist church on Sunday morning right now. I, I'm afraid that we have bought into the idea and the philosophy that it is it is the, the those the fittest survive, the survival of the fittest. You gotta be stronger, you gotta be mightier, you gotta be greater, you gotta market yourself, you gotta get out there, and you gotta be ambitious, and you gotta drive, 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 and hurt people, lie on people, do it. Whatever you want, cheat on your husband. Sleep with your boss to get a promotion. The devil is a liar. You better get get rid of the world's way of thinking. It's the worldly way of thinking. The world is not the people in it. It's the system that's leading the people. When Paul said, be not conformed to the world, he's not just talking about people, he's talking about the spirit of the world. I told you last week that darkness is not just the absence of light. It is the opposite of light. Darkness is not just that it doesn't have God, it's that it's the opposite of the kingdom of God. We're living in a hostile world, oh God. We're living in a hostile world. You don't believe me? Everything has an agenda. Look at the world we're living in and take an inventory of the last time you felt like something the world was was advertising was wholesome for you and your children. Can't even go see Buzz Lightyear. Can't can't even have a conversation anymore without having a discussion about which pronoun to identify you by. What are we doing? I tell you what we're doing. We're creating a culture. We're living in something that is antagonistic. These are not friendly waters. You better hear me this morning, church. Well, he's just a little old-fashioned, and you're telling your first-time friend that came with you today, he gets a little excited every now and then about these things. He'll he'll move on in a minute. I'm going to stand up here, and I'm going to cry aloud, and I'm going to spare not until the day we die or we get to heaven. I will never acquiesce to this hell-bent, that is full of darkness and is not just messed up. It's anti-God. It is anti-Jesus. It is not just oh, let's uh, let's figure out ways to get along. I was thinking about this. I don't. This is not in my notes. This is free. I was thinking about this yesterday because my whole thing in life. I feel like one of my whole things and assignments in life is this whole thing of racial healing and unity, and and to hell with racism. We just believe that. I, I, I just believe God's called us to be healers and God's called us to be unifiers and God's called. That's what Jesus prayed. Don't look at me funny. The last thing he prayed was, "Father, make them one as you and I are one." So I'm in the Bible, and my assignment is very clear. But I want to be real clear with you. Unity is not achievable if Jesus isn't invited into the conversation. And this whole notion of, oh, let's all be in unity. And and no, Jesus cannot be talked about. You don't want unity. What you want to do is control. And I'm not interested in sitting in your dog and pony show, holding hands and singing kumbaya with a pluralistic religious spirit that does not entertain Jesus. He is not one among many. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm not... I don't even, I want you to hear me. It takes transformation not to become like the world around you. It takes ongoing mind renewal. Why does this have anything to do with my kingdom assignment? Because the world system will bombard your mind with a way of thinking that will bring you out of alignment with God's will for your life. And it'll have you thinking, I got to hustle. That's a new word. Hustle. What's your side hustle? I don't know. I don't even know what that means. I'm I'm hustling. I just know I'm I'm giving it all I got right now. But hear me, please. I want you to hear me, please. It's not about, listen, this is not about how how hard you're running at it. Some people in this room, it's not that you don't have a work ethic. It's that you don't have a family ethic. I'm all about working hard, and everybody in here ought to work hard, but your children ought to know what your hair color is, and your children, you ought to know their birthday. Come on, somebody. I mean, we ought to have some sense of investment. In fact, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a misalignment of priorities, and if you don't renew your mind, this world will tell you how you need to live, and it will define you in a way that the Father never intended for you to be defined. This is why, Jesus, help me today. God forbid. This is why people are committing suicide. They're committing suicide because their mind isn't being transformed. And when your mind is informed... Informed by the world, it will eventually conform to the ways of the world. And Paul said, The way you stop the conforming to the ways of the world is by transforming through the renewing of your mind. Well, how do I renew my mind? I am so glad you asked. My Bible said that He will wash you with the water of the Word. And every time I open this Bible, it gives my mind a bath and cleans out the dirt that the world. Help me preach in here, somebody if you need more joy you don't need another pill you don't need another counselor nothing wrong with counseling and nothing wrong with medicine but i'm gonna tell you some of you the best medicine you'll ever give your mind is the truth of god's word and if you get the word down in you it will transform come on in here how many cartoon advocates do i have how many remember the 80s when you woke up and the cartoons were clean on saturday morning Anybody remember Transformers? Come on, Transformers looked like automobiles until it was time to fight, and then they went. (laughs) And all of a sudden, Optimus Prime was no longer an 18-wheeler. He was a man that was fit for war. I want to tell you, some of you are getting run over by culture because you're too conformed to the world. Come out from among the world. Be transformed by the renewing. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You want to know your assignment in life? Your assignment in life will never be revealed to you while your mind is polluted by thinking the way the world thinks. I want a promotion. I want a promotion. Shut up. Sometimes we don't need a promotion. Sometimes we need to serve. I said a bad word there. Did you feel that? Serve? What is that? You mean to do something without getting paid for it? Yeah. Well, I'm going to be a better steward of my life than that. You know what Jesus did? He humbled himself. You know, this church would not be the amazing place it is without people who have been transformed by the renewing of their mind so that they can see their service in this house as something spiritual and unto God. Do you know the world doesn't think that way? How many are glad you can drop your children off in kids' church today? I'm taking inventory, how many are glad? Okay, me, I am. Do you know last week how many children we had in this church, children, 330. How many are now glad for the workers? Let's try it again, how many are glad for the, yeah, okay. Cause do you know what it would? Do you know what kind of tickets we could sell to the zoo? This place would become, if we had 330 children sitting in all of our laps while I'm preaching today, my ADD would kick in. I would walk off the stage. <laughs> it's true. You go to that corner. You go to that corner. You go to there. Put your hand over your mouth. In Jesus' name, right? Come on. <laughs> Do you know how many volunteers it takes to pull off the kind of media production every Sunday? Do you, know how, hold, do you know how many people complain when we don't do something live? And it's not because they're mean, some of them are mean, but most of them are just wanting to be a part. They don't recognize it every week. Chad, somebody give it up for We Are Chad, come on. <laughs> Chad and all of his amazing volunteers 20 or 30 people every Sunday who take this service and broadcast it to the world. People come back on Monday morning and thousands of people throughout the week watch this How does that happen? Because people say with a transformed mind, sitting on this camera back here is part of my kingdom assignment. Parking lot people, where y'all at? Somebody make a noise. Hey, what's up? Do you know how much we pay parking lot people here? Zero. Why do they do it? Why does James Bilbury put on an orange vest? Why do they put on raincoats and in the summer they put on parka. Uh, the winter they put on parkas. And they get hand warmers and mitts and carry umbrellas in the right. Why do they do that? Their mind has been transformed. And they say, what is my assignment, oh God? And God begins to give them a passion. Oh, you're just using the Bible so that you can get people to work. You need to renew your mind. This world wants to present to you opportunities to live in ways that are flagrantly offensive to the kingdom of God. Stay in the Bible. Renew your mind. Why? So that you can live a transformed life. I'm gonna ask you a question and I'm gonna move on. If everyone treated their church life like you did, what kind of church would we have? I'm trying. (laughs) I'm letting letting it simmer. (laughs) I'm not being critical. I'm asking a question. If everyone believed in the kind of generosity and liberality that you believe in, how blessed would our church be? How blessed would our community be as a result of how blessed our church is? I'm not being, I'm, I'm, I'm simply hoping that someone will pause to evaluate the way you think about the kingdom. And my prayer is today that there would be such a bathing of the mind in the word of God, that the word of God would shape how we think. And in, in that alignment of coming into alignment and harmony with the Bible, God begins to reveal things to us and the third word is this the first thing he says is present the third thing second thing he says is to transform the third thing he says is so that you may be able to prove you present your body as a living sacrifice you transform your mind so that you don't become conformed to the world and you do all this so that you may prove some of you are like he's on the third point we're getting ready to end that's the introduction So we'll have to find a good stopping point and resume next week, right? But watch. The Bible says you present your body, you transform your mind, and you do that so that you may be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And the Greek word for prove is dokimatso. It means it's the word they use in determining and recognizing. What metal was genuine after ex- examination? They use this word to describe the determination and the authentication of gold so that you may be able to prove. So here's what it, I, I wanna put this together for you so you can see what, what he's talking about. He says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Transform your, your, your mind by renewing it according to the word of God so that when you say this is my kingdom assignment, you're able to prove it. There's there's something about your life that is authenticated by the fruit. There are a lot of people in this day and time calling themselves apostles, prophets, prophets. They call themselves anything, but in the kingdom of God, you don't simply get to use titles without accompanying fruit, and in order for us to have the wherewithal to operate in grace and in a calling or in an assignment, we need to be able to demonstrate the authenticity and the proof that that is what God has called us to do. You can't get to the proving until you've first been transformed. Transformed. And you can't get transformed until you first presented your life as a living sacrifice to God. And we often start with proving. Don't we? We often start with showing everyone, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what God's called me to do. And the problem is, if you start with the proving, you actually are beginning with the service rather than self. And people who are promoting their service and telling you what they do and marketing who they are and demonstrating their ability without having first died to self are disqualified before the game ever begins. Whatever happened in the church, To do nothing through selfish ambition and vain conceit. That is a scripture. Do nothing through selfish ambition. I've often said, I've said this for decades, 20 years now. If you wanna do what everybody wants to do while everybody's looking, you first have to enjoy doing what nobody wants to do while nobody's looking. But we wanna prove things. We want to show everyone we are 24 karat gold and if your mind isn't transformed and if your life has not been submitted to God you can tell us what you got and who you are and what your title is but it won't stand or last God give us the character to keep us in rooms that gifts open the door for gifts will get you in the room character will keep you in the room Ability. I, I, I heard about Caleb and I see Landon over here and we've got some young st- sons in the house that have got scholarships to play ball in division one schools and they're going to be amazing and they've got these, uh, these amazing, wildly incredible gifts and abilities in sports to do things that I believe are going to bring great glory to God. But my prayer for them as I celebrate what God is doing is that although the gift made room for them, their character will keep them in the room that their gift opened the door for them. Because the last thing we want is another casualty of success. Here's what you have to know. If you are presented presented to God and give your whole life to God, if you live with a transformed mind, here's what I want you to know: you don't have to work hard to prove who you are, who you are will speak for itself. So he says, This is all alignment. If you want to know your assignment, you got to get into this place of alignment where you are presenting your life to God. No strings attached, no agenda, no contract. I'm yours. you got to keep a transformed mind. And you have to have a life as you live it that authenticates the real thing and the fruit of who you really are. And when you come into that kind of alignment, Here's what da- that Paul says. Look at the next verse. Let's just walk through this. I'll be done in about 12 minutes. Maybe 15. Keep on like that, 20. Okay? I'm just kidding. Some of y'all still don't know how to take me. It's all right. I'm just kidding. Okay, look at verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. How I many of that's a good sermon all by itself? It's a good sermon all by itself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. I've often heard someone say this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And what Paul seems to be getting at here when he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. He's not against you having a positive understanding of your identity in Christ. He's saying, don't ever forget that who you are is a result of being in Christ, and you are not high without him. And if you are living highly without depending on Jesus, then you are thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. I don't think God is opposed to thinking of yourself highly when you regard yourself in Christ. The next time the devil asks you, who do you think you are? Ask him, how much time does he have? But I'm not who I am because I am Kevin. I'm who I am because I'm in Christ. And if I think I'm something without depending on Jesus, I need to consider my ways lest I fall. Pride goes before a destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. We are nothing without Jesus. I don't care how gifted you are. Without Christ, you are nothing. Well, that is so offensive. I did what I'm supposed to do then. (laughs) We should be convicted over any thought that crosses our mind, that causes us to believe we are something in our own strength. Paul says, look at this, look at this, I'm getting here. Say kingdom assignment. So I want to know my kingdom assignment. Pastor, how can I know? Step one, present your life. Living sacrifice. Blank sheet of paper, you sign it and say, whatever you say is what I'll do. No contracts, no stipulations. It's your way and not my way, step one. Step two, keep your mind renewed because the world, will in, it will invade and bombard your mind with mentalities and ways of thinking that are contrary to the kingdom of God. And number three, live a life that reveals and authenticates The testimony that you have that you are not just who you say you are, but the fruit of your life reveals that you are who you say you are. And when you come into that alignment, Paul reminds us of something here. I want you to see this. Verse 3. But think of yourself soberly. For God has dealt to each one. Say "Each each one. A measure. The Greek word for measure, you know this, is metron. The Metron is the measured-off portion that God gave you. Yes. Amen. I've been going to the Genesis Tea Room now for like three weeks, like twice a week. Not because they need my business, but because I need the shortbread cookies. Yeah. <laughs> it's a true story. I think they've laced them with some sort of drug And so when I go, I'm like, and I tell everyone, I tell Pastor Richie, I've taken him twice now, I'm like, well, he's like, what should I get? Get the tier. Get the tier. The tier, it comes in three tiers, and there's like a bottom, which is really good, and then the top, which is really good, but the top, top, the, the top, top has all these cookies on it. And everyone's always like, oh, what's that? I'm like, oh, that's this, and that's this. And then they get to the shortbread cookie, and I'm like, it's horrible. <laughs> you don't want it. You want me to take it? You don't want it, just put it on my plate. I got it, it's okay. Okay, so I love the shortbread cookies, right? Until this past week, I walked in the back door of the tea room and the recipe for the shortbread cookies is written on the board. The devil. You hear me? It was the devil. I looked at the recipe and the recipe said, eight cups of brown sugar. Four pounds of chilled butter. (laughs) All these ingredients, none of which are healthy for the saint of God. (laughs) I walked down the hallway betwixt and between. The enemy on my left shoulder, the king of glory on my right shoulder. The devil was saying, don't eat another one. No, the Lord was saying, don't eat another one. And the devil was saying, have all you want. Oh, I tell you, I was in a way. <laughs> and here's <laughs> and here's what I want to tell you. When I saw how much butter was measured off for a, a round of cookies, I thought, that's a lot of Metron. <laughs> measured off four pounds of chilled butter. Who even knew they sell butter in pounds? Metron is the me- is the measuring off. Here's the thing I want to show you. Number one, you cannot get bitter at a God who measured you something off and measured someone near you. He measured something off different for them. We wouldn't have bread, cake, shortbread cookies if all the ingredients were the same. Stop panicking, complaining, comparing. If you're the brown sugar, don't fight with the butter. (laughs) If you get along, it turns into a shortbread cookie. That's the sermon today. That's it. It's... got a measurement. You're a part of the recipe. Quit fighting with every other ingredient. Just be quiet and be the butter. Be the brown sugar. I even think I saw that there was like two tablespoons of salt. Can you imagine how the salt would feel? (laughs) It's only two tablespoons of me. But the recipe would not be complete without the presence of the salt. What I'm trying to get you to do is to understand that your kingdom assignment is not like the other people on your row. But the kingdom of God would never be the kingdom if we were all the same thing with the same metron. We all get different stuff. We all get different gifts. We all get different passion. We all get different abilities. We all get a metron. He measures it off. He gives it to you. And he says, this is what I'm going to use you for. This is your assignment. Just go do it. Just use it. Don't complain. Don't get jealous. Don't compete. Don't compare. Work together. This is Synergy Sunday. Do you know what synergy is? It's the product of two or more things coming together, working together to produce something together that they could have never produced in themselves. We call this Synergy Sunday because did you hear the sound? Help me, Jules, I'm, I'm transitioning. Did you hear the sound that was released when sons and daughters started singing today? The, 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 almost, it was like a lift. Well, why did we sing roar, 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 roar? I tell you why. Do you, know what, do you know what Muslims are doing to their children? They're training them how to wear backpacks with explosives and run into heavily populated places and blow themselves up in the name of their God. And you want us to raise Johnny and Susie looking at a felt board singing the B-I-B-L-E and you wonder why they get out in this culture and get run over. I tell you, we need some sons and daughters to hear the roar of the tr- line of the tribe of Judah. You have a measure. I'm getting ready to say something's going to offend a few more. Sisters in here, you got a measure. You're not just a woman, you're a daughter. And we will not create a court system in this house. Outer court, inner court. No sisters in the inner court. Not me. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. We need your Metron. We need everything God poured into you. Where's that, where's that church uh, that we were talking about, that next generation? Uh, Pastor Richie was talking about that next generation, and you know what I'm thankful? They are the next level of leaders, but they are right now the church. Right now. Their Metron on this morning set this atmosphere free in another dimension. Why? Because we don't have junior high Holy Ghost that blesses the junior high and the elementary Holy Ghost and mama and daddy's Holy Ghost. This Holy Ghost caused a baby in a belly to jump and move because I believe he's looking for a hungry heart. You have a kingdom assignment. Don't allow your mind to get polluted and lose it. Somebody, thank you, Holy Spirit, stand with me. Somebody this morning in this room, the enemy's been messing with you. And the way he's messing with you is either through deceit, listen carefully, or distraction. He messes with you through deceit when he can get your mind to operate in a way that is in keeping with the world system. He deceives you. But he also distracts by often offering you things that look spiritual but are not God's will for your life, if you're not in alignment and haven't surrendered your heart, submitted your life, and presented your body as a living sacrifice, I don't care how many tongues you speak in, you can get really, really distracted with your own agenda. I think it's interesting here that when Paul begins to lay out the different graces. He doesn't lay all of them out. He just starts mentioning some of them and he starts with prophecy and then he goes on to teaching and exhortation. That's all what we would call the ministry. But then he gets deeper and he says, you who give. Oh, we know about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but some of you, your kingdom assignment is not to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It's to be a financer of the kingdom. I I got like five of y'all. I'm obviously not talking to you if you didn't receive it. But there are some people in here, I believe God wants to give you strategy, ideas, creativity. He wants to give you favor. He wants to give you inventions so that you and your family can be blessed and every ministry you're called to connect to can be blessed as well. Somebody has to have the gift of generosity. Well, not me. Money is so evil. No! The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil unless you let it make you evil. Money doesn't make you anything. It reveals who you are. I'm thankful for a house full of pastors and evangelists and prophetic people and apostolic people and didactic teaching people. But I'm also thankful for millionaires sitting in here who have been blessed in their world, blessed in the marketplace, who resourced this. Y'all can look at me funny if you want to. The reason we were able to bless this neighborhood is because you were blessed and you all blessed the kingdom. Your assignment may not be fivefold. It may be to support the fivefold. The next thing he says, those of you who are called to lead, lead. CEOs, managers, business owners, you have a grace, an assignment, and it's not just for you and your house, it's for the kingdom. And if you're good at it, do it for the glory of God. If you're a son or a daughter and you're in this room and you're in promotion mode and you're moving to the next level, I want you to lift your hand. I know a bunch of them are back there, but some of them are in here. Lift your hand, babe, okay. If there's some of them that have their hand up near you, these young ladies and young men, would you gently and just real respectfully and kindly lay your hand on their shoulder? First of all, I want them to know they're not alone. Secondly, I want us to offer a prayer for them. That as they go through this promotion, the nerves would give way to peace. Come on. How many remember what it was like going to middle school? I mean, I needed intercession going to middle school. My fifth grade best friend told me they locked sixth graders in, in lockers. I was scared to death to go to school. I got there and recognized that's a lie. We have a lot of fun. You're going to have fun, but I want to pray for you today that in this promotion, the grace of God and the strength of God be upon every one of our sons and daughters. There's some high schoolers going to college. I want to pray for you that you don't get run over by culture and some sassy professor who doesn't know God trying to tell you things about your God that are not true. You... I, pray the, I pray the spirit of Kevin Wallace get on you. You're not going to be run over by this world and its systems. You hear me, babies? All you young ladies and young men, you're not going to be run over by this world and its systems. You're not going to be run over by a spirit of fear. You're not going to be driven out of your faith by a spirit of deconstructionism. You're going to hold on to God and you're going to begin to find the faithfulness of God even at this age of your life when you're being promoted. God's going to reveal himself to you. Let's pray for them right now. And then I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to let you go. Jesus, today, I want every one of our sons and daughters to know their assignment. I want them to be blessed in this phase of their promotion. Lord, they're going to back to school. Some of them are excited. Some of them are anxious and nervous. Lord, today, would you bless our babies? Lord, I just bless them. I plead the blood of Jesus over their mind and over their heart. I pray against bullies. Lord, run bullies out of business. I pray that bullies will not get into the ears or the hearts of our sons and daughters. I pray our sons and daughters would have such an identity that on the inside of them when they begin to feel the world trying to conform them and push them in a form. I pray our sons and daughters would never be conformed to this world, its system or its way of thinking. Let them live a transformed life. Let their minds be clear and clean. Let their eyes be a, be, 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 be pure so that the gateway into their soul Lord is, is pure. Father I'm just asking for your blessing on their life. I pray. Come on, pray for your babies. There's there's 30 more seconds. We're going to go. But Lord, we pray blessing over our children. I pray over our teachers too, God, as they prepare to go back to school. Lord, I thank you that teachers will begin to see themselves not as employees, but as assignments in the kingdom that have become a voice of reason to children who are looking for truth in the midst of chaos for some sanity. They live. Some of our teachers, they teach students who live in such chaotic environments. Would you give them the ability to bring sanity and peace and clarity to these precious babies. Lord, in this city, Lord, our schools that are right here on our campus, we just lift them up. Come on, people of God. We pray for the schools in our zip code right here, Lord. I I just pray for the elementary schools and the middle schools. I pray for Howard and Brainerd, Lord. I, I just lift up our students to you. I bind devils of deception and death and they want to bring harm. No, no, no. We plead the blood of Jesus over for our schools and over our students. May that, may those places Lord be, be saturated with angelic hosts. May our sons and daughters rise up and be the top of their class. I pray God you will open up doors for them. Give them scholarships and favor Lord. I wish every one of our sons and daughters just lift your hands right now and let God bless you. Lord bless our sons and daughters. Bless them with favor. Bless them. Let it be the greatest year of their career. Let it be year of their career. Let them, have, let them have perfect attendance. Don't let them get sick. Don't, don't let them make failing grades. Let them do well on the ACT and the TCAP. Lord, be with them. We bless them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, everyone, lift your hands. I want to bless you before we go home. Lord, what would you do to a city if you found a whole church full of people like this who have said yes to you? And yielded to your way. I pray today, God, if there's anything in my heart that is not bent in your direction, you'll remove it. If there's something in me, Lord, that opposes your purpose and your assignment for my life, would you please remove it? Do surgery on us. I feel the Lord working right now. There's somebody in here with some selfish ambition. You've been going at it for your own glory, but God's about to take that out of you and give you a heart through which he can work. It's not that you're not going to be blessed it's not even that you're in the wrong field it's that you're doing it for your own glory god's about to tell you if you'll give me the glory i'll bless you coming in i'll bless you going out i'll bless you in the city i'll bless you in the field just make sure you give me the glory there's a businessman, a businesswoman in here today. You, you want God to bless you. You've got an idea. You've got a strategy, but it hadn't worked yet. I'm telling you right now, some of you are about to make a shift in who gets the credit, and you're about to start giving God the glory. I feel this on me right now. And when you begin to give God glory, he's going to breathe on what he gave you. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. God, today, bring us into alignment. Let us present our bodies a living sacrifice. Let us live with transformed hearts and minds. Let us live a life that authenticates and proves that you are to us who we said you are and we are who we said we are in you. And I pray today that as we live in that alignment, you will reveal your measure to your people. What did you measure them off? What have you called them to? Let it begin to click. Let it begin to work. Let it begin to come together. Let it begin to be seen and known. I thank you that you're lifting the heaviness I thank you that the confusion is being lifted and the peace of God is coming to hearts right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, bless our people. Bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Somebody give him praise all over this room. Tonight at 6 o'clock, get back to church. We love you. Go in the peace of the Lord this afternoon. Friend, I believe God is a miracle working God and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team wanna pray for you. We wanna make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ best days of your life are still ahead of you. We're praying for you today. God bless and look forward to seeing you next week right here.